everyone, and welcome back to the Red Beard Outdoors podcast. It's Jonathan, your host, and today is the Thursday Thoughts edition of this podcast, where it's a bit of a shorter version, just some thoughts that I have on a topic or a quote, and what I think about it, I want to share with you guys. So if you're just brand new tuning in, awesome. I appreciate your support and tuning in today and being willing to test out a new podcast. And for those of you that are frequent visitors to this podcast, thank you as well. I do truly appreciate your support and thank you for sharing it with others as well uh, so that everyone else can kind of get my thoughts and ideas out there and, and understand where I'm coming from and and why I want to share what I share on my podcast. I wish I could sit people down and have a discussion with every individual that I want to share all my thoughts with, uh, whether they're interesting or not. I love having discussions and here pretty soon we're going to be having guests on and interviews, more discussion style uh, podcast on different topics, maybe some that I've brought up previously and some that I would like to bring up as well. So today I want to talk about the topic of hunting and it's kind of a big deal for me. It's a big topic for me. So I want to delve into my thoughts on that and, and where I stand and why uh, I feel that hunting is an amazing opportunity for men and women, children uh, to enjoy the outdoors and to enjoy each other's company. And also, if you do solo hunts, uh, why that's beneficial as well and can be just as recharging as many other activities out there. So let's dive into that really quick. Uh, before I do before I do that, I want to ask you if you have any feedback or any questions. Shoot me a message over on Instagram at red.beard.outdoors. Uh, over there, I share, I post every day. Uh, different posts from fitness to hunting to outdoors. Uh, my my big three are family, health, slash fitness, and the outdoors. So those are the three main things that I post about over there. So if you want to go give me a follow, I'd, I'd really appreciate that. But more than anything, I'd appreciate your feedback. And also, if you want to leave a review or follow me on, on social media uh, over at Facebook, red.beard.outdoors is the group. And if you're interested in getting into our private fitness health group, please shoot me a message and I'd love to, to invite you to that as well. So thank you. As far as this topic is concerned of hunting, it's become a ever-growing larger and larger part of my life for many reasons. Now I grew up in North Carolina and I was born in 92, so I'm still youngin', not quite in my 30s yet, 29 and holding, right? And as far as when I was born, my great-grandpa bought me a lifetime hunting and fishing license in North Carolina. And as I was growing up, I didn't quite necessarily value that as much as I probably should have. We used to go fishing all the time, and I guess my dad always set it up, or my grandpa always set it up to where I was licensed because uh, I had my lifetime hunting and fishing license, and 
I was good to go. I never thought about it. I thought you just go fishing whenever. But in reality, I had a license that whole time. And as I got older, I never really got into tree stand hunting. Now, I, it's funny because I can fish, I can sit and fish for hours and hours and hours on end, especially if it's with someone that I appreciate spending time with. I also enjoy quiet time fishing. Uh, that's just as fun for me. But for some reason, the idea of sitting in a tree for hours and hours and hours, possibly never seeing anything, didn't ever really appeal to me or getting into a stand. Hunting in North Carolina is a little bit different. You kind of have to know people with private land. You have to uh, more than likely provide some sort of service so you have access to the land because that land out there on the East Coast was very populated. Uh, there is pretty much uh, all privately owned. And so I never really dove into that. Like I said, I just took advantage of the, the lifetime fishing license. And then I went hunting one time uh, where I sat in a stand and I just, I don't, it just was weird. I say weird, but like for me, it just, it just didn't appeal to me. There was not that drive to sit there and just wait for something to come out into a shooting lane and, and shoot it. Now, back then, I, I also wasn't really into bow hunting. I didn't have a bow. I feel like that might be a little bit more of a challenge and a little bit uh, more interesting than sitting there with a rifle uh, waiting for a deer to come out. So then I went on my mission to Mexico uh, for an LDS mission and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I served there for two years, got to serve the people of Mexico. I love, 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 love the culture and the food and the people and the language. I still am very fluent in Spanish uh, to the point where when I speak to people on the phone, they ask me what part of Mexico I'm from, which always is kind of a silly thing to say that's a compliment, but to me that's a compliment uh, that I'm able to serve people in in two languages. And so anyway, uh, going on to, to hunting, I came back to Utah Love the mountains, got into hiking, camping, love all the public land out here. I grew up camping, hiking, fishing, but it was flat land out in North Carolina or out in the mountains where they celebrated having a mile high bridge, uh, which is awesome for the Appalachian Mountains, but nothing compared to the public land offerings out here. So I fell in love with the land and then I met a really good friend of mine who got me into hunting and it started and I recommend this for anyone who is interested in any sort of outdoor activity find someone who is passionate about it and who's willing to teach you as well uh, my friend Brent was very willing to have me tag along with him and I learned a lot from him as far as ethics uh, different season dates where to hunt, what to look for, uh, learning how to glass, which is using binoculars, spotting scope, uh, the difference between different rifles, and then I delved into the calibers myself, uh, muzzleloader season, archery season, spring bear, all the different seasons. He, he slowly taught me the seasons that started with deer, mainly, and I would just tag along with him, and then I learned how to 
to clean an animal in the field, to quarter it up and to get it in a pack and pack it out. And I helped him with an elk a few years ago. And then I started putting in for my own hunting tags because by that point I had put in a lot of work in my opinion and I wanted to start reaping the rewards as well for me personally. Now Brent always shared the meat with me and was always very open and uh, helpful in, in every aspect but I started wanting to have my own my own adventures and so I started with the basics of mule deer rifle. Went and picked a very basic caliber, uh, something that wasn't too expensive to work within the budget that that I had, and uh, just a 308 rifle and mule deer. The first year I didn't draw, so I was out with Brent again on his uh, hunting seasons and figuring things out, different animals, uh, their patterns, where to look for them, etc. And then the next year I drew, and I was determined I was going to fill my tag. I know there's some people that don't, and I there's many theories in my mind behind that, but I knew it wouldn't be for lack of effort on my end. And I started having those discussions with my wife. Still not, I'm still not the best communicator when it comes to things that I'm wanting to do and how much time I'm wanting to take away from the family so that I can go do these things. But anyway, I, I just knew I, I wouldn't, miss filling a tag for lack of effort and I'm not a trophy hunter I'm not looking for the biggest oldest baddest buck the biggest antlers none of that is for me at least not right now I understand why some people do it but I'm not at that point I would like to have meat in the freezer and I want to 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 do it ethically I say ethically now let me go into that a little bit for me, let me define my ethics for me when it comes to hunting, is I trained beforehand knowing that I would be either backpacking in, hiking in every day, a few miles, and being willing to clean the animal and take as much of the meat as possible off the animal to bring home, not to waste anything. And I'm not just out there to shoot something, I'm not just out there bloodlust like some people think hunters are. I'm out there because I love nature and it's it it seems a little twisted for some people, but because I respect the animals, I also know that I need to play my part in conservation so that uh, things don't get overrun. And uh, th there's a whole another discussion that we can go into that. But basically, my respect for the animal is I'm training my body all year, being in the gym, six days a week, if not seven. And the days that I'm not in the gym, it's because I'm on the mountain and there's no gym around because I'm hiking or backpacking or, or I have some sort of weight on my back, I'm doing a home workout, whatever it may be. So then I also train with whatever weapon I'm going to use. If it's the rifle, I need to make sure that what is my effective range and not go past that. Some people may see a big buck or a big elk past their quote unquote effective range, which is where you can make an ethical shot and be 100% sure that you are going to hit the target where you are aiming. That's your ethical distance, whether that be with a bow, muzzleloader, rifle, whatever weapon you choose. So I knew what my effective range was with the rifle that I had, and I went out that first year and I harvested a buck. Now he wasn't huge. He was a little super tiny three by four. It had been a drought that year, so there wasn't a ton of mass on his antlers. 
but he was big bodied. And for me, anyway, coming from whitetails to mule deer, uh, it was big buck. And I was very happy with the success that I had. Then the next year, uh, rolled around and same thing. And so I was, I, I was two for two on my tags, uh, two years in a row. And so then, uh, this last year I felt the need to stretch myself a little bit. And I got into archery and my grandfather also gifted me a muzzle loader. So I didn't put in for any, I take that back. I did put in for a rifle antelope hunt that I'll go into antelope or pronghorn. Uh, but I put in for archery elk. I put in for archery doe mule deer. I put in for muzzleloader buck mule deer and a rifle antelope. So first season came around was the, was the doe mule deer. And I had been training all year with my bow shooting at least 10 minutes a day in various conditions with or without my pack on uh, high heart rate rested, whatever I've trained, felt comfortable with my bow, knew my effective range. And I had trained my body and I, in over the last year and a half lost 45 pounds, felt better than I ever have hiking through the mountains. And I was ready to go. And so I came in, uh, multi, I had multiple encounters with, I actually had for the first little part of the season, had more encounters with bucks, which I didn't have a buck tag. <laughs> so, uh, more encounters with, with bucks than, uh, than does. And, and then I finally had my encounter with a doe and, uh, very ethical shot with a bow. Uh, right through the the pump house is what we call it, or right through the the vitals, and she was she was done within a minute minute and a half, and I felt very good about that. And then I went and spent twelve days hunting elk, and I told myself I was going to only go for a bull in September, because here in Utah you can have the extended archery. It's different units at that time, but you can go until December fifteenth. And I said, if I don't get a bull in September, I'm okay with going for a cow for, for the meat in November, December timeframe when I get back out. So I went for the, the 12 days in September that I did end up going, had some amazing experiences that I'll delve more into in a different podcast and, but came out, uh, without a punch tag, very, very many close encounters, uh, but didn't seal the deal in September. Then uh, after September, I had a week of the muzzleloader buck mule deer tag. And I spent almost every day, either an evening hunt or morning hunt or both. And bless my wife for taking the kids during all those times and always being willing to support me in this. I'm so very grateful to have such a supportive wife. And any of you hunters out there understand this, or even if you're longtime backpackers, whatever it may be, if you have a supportive spouse, it makes things so much easier and so much better. Your mind isn't so preoccupied when you're on the mountain. So special thanks and shout out to my beautiful wife and uh, who took all of our kids and, and all the home responsibilities on while I was gone. Thank you. Uh, so last second to last day of the muzzleloader hunt, 
uh, I, I asked if we were good, no, no family plans or anything. And I went up that morning with Brent. Brent came in from the top. I came in from the bottom and we were glassing over two draws and we just felt really good about these, these spots. And again, I'll go more into depth about that hunt as well in the later podcast. Cause I love geeking out over my experiences with, with animals in the outdoors. But basically I filled my tag wasn't again, wasn't the biggest buck. Uh, but I filled that tag. So then I went into the rifle antelope or pronghorn. And this one I chose rifle. The reason for that was I wanted to involve my kids so that they could have kind of dip their toes into hunting and the process behind it and see if they even want to get involved. Uh, I ended up having Brody, our 14-year-old, and Asher, our 6-year-old, to come with us. And they were in the truck. I woke them up super early. We drove up and got up there just in time to glass a couple herds off on the side of, uh, of the road that was not my area. But I was like, hey, this is some really good area. If we've already got a couple herds, some good bucks out there, lots of does. And then we go up the road a little bit more and there's a little, a smaller herd off to the left in my area. And I just told Brody, our older son that was with me, and Asher to get their binoculars ready. And uh, I checked my maps, made sure it was public land. I went over and uh, I was able to harvest an antelope. And they were able to watch it. And we had that awesome discussion because the antelope only went, I won't lie, it felt almost like cheating. Now, nothing against rifle hunting. That's been my my thing for the last couple of years. But after bow hunting and muzzleloader hunting with a lot less effective range, um, taking a hundred yard shot on an antelope was, it felt like it was so easy. And for some people that may be your effective range, nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying for me, it felt a lot easier than, than a shot with a bow. Obviously I wouldn't take that hundred yard shot with a bow. I'd have to get closer. And so anyway, I was, I was able to harvest that antelope just this last weekend. And our discussion on our way home was awesome with the boys where I asked them if they had any questions for me, and they actually did. And and we talked about why I train in the gym, multiple reasons, but for the hunting season, to make sure that I'm able to make it to the animal, wherever the animal may be, and to carry that animal out and all the meat possible, to make sure that I can shoot under pressure, which your heart rate rises. If your heart rate doesn't rise when you're about to take the life of an animal, uh, we might need to have discussion. <laughs> Because for me, it doesn't matter the animal. When I see an animal out in the, in the wild, especially big game, uh, it just it, it gets my heart going. And so talking to them about having trained with my rifle, uh, knowing the anatomy of the animal and where to shoot so that the animal would not suffer, that it would, ex- that it would pass away quickly. Um, talking about the respect that you have for the animal, that you don't go around uh, dancing and hooting and hollering and, and celebrating like crazy wild men, but you appreciate the success that you have and you also respect that the animal has given its life to feed your family. And then we took the animal over to my friend Brent's house and I walked Brody mainly and Asher helped a little bit through the cleaning process. And Brody found out really quick he didn't like some of the sounds that happen when you clean an animal. 
but I walked him through that process so that he would have that experience. And Asher had a little bit of the experience and then got distracted and went and played with his friends. So now I, I'm going into the end of October, taking a break, tipping the scales more towards the family now rather than my hunting and back towards like the mid of November to the middle of December, I'll be back on elk and uh, planning on punching my tag with a, with a bow. So that's my hunting for this year. It's been a lot. It really has. And I've, I've been very blessed to have the success that I have. And like I said, I'm going to go more into detail in later podcasts on each hunt. But basically with hunting, my philosophy is I'm enjoying the outdoors. It keeps me with a reason to be trained physically and physically fit and healthy year round with an end goal in mind that in the fall, I'm going to be in the mountains chasing these amazing animals. And it's some of the purest protein that you're going to get talking about grass fed, <laughs> cage free, organic, uh, free range, all the tack, all the little stamps on it that you want. This is the best protein you can get. It's the purest it's the leanest as well. And if prepared properly, in my opinion, it's some of the best. And so all of those things combined are why I hunt. They're all reasons for me to, to go after these animals and to learn more about them and to experience more uh, with, with them out in the mountains. And I think it's something that's super important for everyone to be educated on, even if you're not into it, even if you are a vegan, knowing more about hunting and what it's about, it just everyone being educated about it would help a lot. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of misinterpretation. Now there's bad apples out there, just like there are in every community, right? There's some people that go out there and ride around their razors and, and shoot at everything that they can and don't want to chase down an animal if they wound it, et cetera, et cetera. They don't train year round. They're confident in a bow that's been sitting in a case for the last year or a rifle that hasn't seen the light of day for the last two years. You know, if that's the way that you do things, I would recommend that you send me a message. Let's have a chat and let's figure out what we can do to maybe better uh, the community. Again, we should stick together if you're a fellow hunter and uh, if, if you choose to hunt differently than I do, awesome. But I'd love to have a discussion with you about why you do things the way you do so I can learn from you. If you're not a hunter, uh, feel free to reach out to me with any questions you have about why I do it, if I haven't explained it here, uh, or any other questions you may have. Again, reach out to me at, uh, on the Instagram at, in, at red.beard.outdoors. And on Facebook, same thing. Uh, you can send me a message, and I, I'd love to respond to you. Uh, I want this community to grow and more than anything, even again, if you're not into hunting at all, I want you to at least know why we do it. At least the people that I hang out with and the ones that I enjoy spending time hunting with, why we hunt. It's to provide, yes, you can go to the grocery store and get some meat from the grocery store. It's probably cheaper as far as time is concerned, uh, but it's more fulfilling for me to pull a package out of the freezer and know the story behind it and talk with my kids and my family about that story and to know that I worked for that. For me, that's fulfilling. And again, 
I'm blessed to have an amazing wife and kids that support me in that while I'm gone and are interested in hearing my stories when I come back. And for the most part, sharing the meat uh, with me when I come back. So thanks for listening in to my talk today about hunting and and hopefully you learned something. If you if, Again, if you have any questions, shoot me a message. I'd love to answer them. I'd love to have a chat with you. And as always, get out, live your life, and love it.